You're listening to Drinking on the Job, D-O-T-J. I'm your host, John Coyle. Drinking on the Job is a toast to the culture of food, wine, and all things fermented. We'll be talking with winemakers, musicians, artists, late-night bartenders, scoundrels, and more. It's time to grab a glass before its last call. It's history and innovation that makes Scribe Winery great. From pre-prohibition vineyards to pet mats and skin-fermented Chardonnay, you'll want to hunt these wines down. Check it out. So I am fortunate to be sitting here with Scribe, one of my favorite uh, new wineries. Um, it's built on history. And we're sitting here with Adam, who's a fourth-generation California farmer, sitting with Matt, who represents the wines internationally, nationally. Um, and so let's, let's start with the story. Like, where are we? I know you started in 2007, but let's mm-hmm. talk about the history of this particularly, uh, this farm, this plot. Yeah, absolutely. So we're sitting in the Scribe Hacienda, which is which was originally built in the 1860s at a time when the farm was initially uh, planted out to grapevines and was a winery. Mm-hmm. It was one of the first wineries in California. Um, and in the 1850s, that was uh, an innovative time in California. Was California had just become a state. So for, for West Coast standards, that's pretty old. Yeah, it is. I know what, for, what, what grapes were they planting? So it was a German family okay. that pioneered the, the farm here. And there right. was actually a handful of them, and they called the this mountainside which is arrowhead mountain uh but they refer to it as the rhine farm because they had come from their family's vineyards over in germany and so they brought their their home clippings with them so they were planting riesling sylvaner treminer chasselas spot burgunder burger saint laurent wow kind of a, a handful of of those kind of german austrian varietals and then they were planting mission along right. with uh, kind of the leftover uh, you know, cuttings from the Spanish that had come over right. prior, but um, they they uh, they would have planted in the early 1850s, and I think 1858 was their first vintage. Wow! And uh, it was a that's I really mean, they, early. It's that's very early, early yeah. yeah. And they they would have had their pick of the pick of the terroir at that point, right? There was right. not much was developed out here. Um, still a lot of wild bears roaming the countryside, so. They, they chose this volcanic hillside here in southern Sonoma Valley, the tip of the southern point of the Mayacamas mountain range, which is the mountain range that runs north-south between right. Napa and Sonoma. Makes and sense to plant Riesling because volcanic is close to uh, slate, blue slate, mm-hmm. red slate from the Mosul or even, uh, yeah, the stuff from the Baden. So that makes total sense. Yeah. yeah, so when we started, when my brother and I and, and our family uh, purchased the farm, it wasn't a vineyard at that point. Um, when did it go fallow like that? So they, so the, the German family were called the Drezels, mm-hmm. and they were here from 1860, 50s, 60s to Prohibition. So they stopped making wine during Prohibition, um, and it became a, a fruit orchard after that, and and uh, hadn't produced wine since Prohibition until we produced our first vintage here, 2011, 2012. Um, and we, when we started replanting the vineyards, we planted some of their kind of historic varietals right. that, that would have been here pre-prohibition. So we planted Sylvaner, Riesling, um, and some, uh, along with California Heritage Pinot Noir clones, some German Heritage Pinot Noir clones. But it was amazing to, to, to watch the Riesling and Sylvaner 
kind of those vines come of age and how how well they're suited to the soil here. Mm. Those guys at, at that point back in the 1850s knew what they were doing. There's not many people who do Riesling in California. I think Madrone uh, does some Riesling, yeah. uh, small bottling, uh, partly because I think it's too hot. Although now we're seeing in Germany with global warming, uh, I, you know, I taste Rieslings every year, the new vintages, and they just seem to be getting, you know, more viscosity. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's global warming. Certainly, what's, but what it's really serving is the reds, which always mm-hmm. were kind of tomato skin and vegetal. Yeah. And now, good Pinot coming out of Germany. So if there's a plus side to global warming... Maybe, yeah. maybe that's it. So what, what draws you champagne. to yeah. Yeah. What, what draws you to this? I mean, what did you stumble on a map? Was it in a history book or you drove by and I mean, coming down this driveway of 200, 300 yards of like, you know, uh, like a hundred foot palm trees and, uh, yeah. and, and yeah, the hard, original Hacienda. Driving down the yeah, road, it's yeah. so gorgeous. Like, wow. Yeah. So we, we were really struck by the history of, of the mm-hmm. place. I mean, visually it's striking. And as you just drive down the road and, mm-hmm. and you see the palm trees and the volcanic hillside with the hacienda sitting at the end of the palm line driveway, it was, uh, it was hard, hard to miss. Um, so enter the wine. How does the wine, what's the uh, yeah. philosophy behind so we, so getting in the wine business? Cause you guys were farmers for four generations, right? Yeah. And so I think what yeah. struck us about the, about the farm was not only the, how visually striking it was, um, but that there was this historic uh, kind of viticultural path that, that had gone down. And mm-hmm. being fourth-generation California farmers, although not growing grapes, we, our mm-hmm. family grows walnuts and almonds primarily, right. um, and some dried fruits, apricots, prunes, uh, some cherries. Killing it with your almonds, man. Can't get enough almond milk anywhere. Almonds <laughs> right? are great. I almonds know. and walnuts are superfoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're yeah. fantastic, yeah. yeah. yeah um, but we kind of have, have a... a uh, appreciate the historic nature to to anything agrarian, especially something mm-hmm. that's uh, in California. And and we had been making wine and, and working at wineries and vineyard and and vineyards in uh, in Europe and and also in the Southern Hemisphere. So stumbled upon this farm and he- had heard about it. And we weren't actively searching for a, a place to to plant a vineyard or start a winery. And, but we couldn't resist once we once we saw the place. It was kind of a too good of an opportunity to pass up. And it, um, I mean, we we were my brother and I were in our early twenties. We didn't know much about what we were getting ourselves into. We were pretty naive, uh, to be honest. And and I mean, it wasn't hard to to figure it out. You just had to look around at at neighboring properties and see all the vineyards here, and then learn about the history of the place and the wines that they were making pre-prohibition, which were which were globally regarded right. at that point but here's uh, there's got to be someone who, who has a deep love of wine and history of wine that's part of this group yeah it's it's probably a uh, a deep love for agrarian california and, right. and discovering that growing grapes and making wine is is probably the purest lens to explore mm-hmm. agrarian california and to celebrate uh, agriculture in california um but i, I mean our that, entire yeah. livelihood and lifestyle was was always based on and built on California agriculture and right. and realizing that uh, through growing grapes and making wine you can you can celebrate that and and find a purity that you can't find in growing other 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 crops um, something wow. so nuanced as a, yeah. a single vineyard single mm-hmm. varietal wine from from one farm that can right. that tastes exactly like where it's grown and when it was grown was something that we, we couldn't escape. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I say that also because um, there seems to be so much innovation. I think it's interesting you have this incredible uh, you know, history and legacy 
that you kind of give rebirth to. And, the, mm. and I'm saying the love of wine because there's a ton of innovation here. I mean, there's, there's, I don't know how many thousands of stories right now. And, and really, the brand Napa and Sonoma is somewhat suffering. I mean, you see high-end cult cabs, uh, the high alcohol movement uh, that's always been here. It's like 14.5, and, and you, it's rightfully so. It's really, really mm. hot. But those cabs barely move. Uh, the shards are kind of monolithic as well, a lot of them. So what makes you guys switch into doing something as cool as uh, Petnap? Or tell me where the skin-fermented Chardonnay yeah. comes from. Like somebody knows something about the Jura or love of the Jura or um, in the Petnap, the love of the war yeah. or whatever. So. Well, not having a, a winery background mm -hmm. before getting into this, uh, we didn't come in with a lot of preconceived ideas of what it's supposed to be or how you're supposed to go about it. It was really a figure it out as we go along mm -hmm. process. And and so we've been experimenting from day one. And and um, so what, why the skin contact? Why pet? Yeah. Well, so. Two of my favorite wines. That's yeah, why. <laughs> the, the skin ferments. What, actually, the skin ferments yeah. a, a good uh, a good wine to, to talk about because it was. Uh, a true experiment that was something that people weren't doing mm -hmm. um, at least in very few people were doing especially in California at right. the time and we've been making our skin fermented Chardonnay since 2010 I believe mm -hmm. was the first vintage yeah um, and like you mentioned California being a, a you know warmer kind of growing climate compared mm -hmm. to Europe uh, you know not not lacking for for kind of power with with right. certain wines or, or kind of expressiveness in wines. Um, a lot of times our endeavor is to, to figure out how to restrain the wine or, or to balance the, the acidity and the texture with mm -hmm. its uh, flavor profile. Hmm. And uh, we were farming this Chardonnay that was incredibly expressive um, and frankly out of balance. It didn't have the structure of the backbone to, to balance out the the aromatic and mm -hmm. fruit profile. And at the time, my brother and I were drinking a lot of Northern Italian skin fermented whites. Oh, nice. Um, and some, some Sicilian stuff also, but a lot of Northern Italian where they're, you know, they're almost having a, the opposite issue that we would be having in California where it's right. so cool. They're not getting a lot of expression out of their fruit. And right. so they need to coax everything out of yeah, the skins they yeah, can get. Friuli's been doing it a long time. The Carso mm -hmm. up around Slovenia, they've been doing it for centuries. Uh, yeah. Greece has been doing it for centuries. So I, that's why I think there's some innovation I think is really cool uh, with the history we were talking about. Yeah. That somebody's going, let's do something different. And your packaging is crazy great. I mean, these, these little half bottles with the black wax capsules. Mm -hmm. uh, the name Scribe, what does the name Scribe come from? Yeah, Scribe gets, ties back into the kind of celebrating the history of this farm and, mm -hmm. and kind of reviving Scrab's really a Scrab winery is really a revival project of mm -hmm. a, of a pre-prohibition winery and, and, uh, kind of resembles and is a, a bit emblematic of the California wine industry in general. So wanting to, to tell the story of, of this place and its place in the California wine industry. Um, but through our own kind of modern lens, having being a, a winery that we're now, you know, started a little over 10 years ago, but also getting into the, our approach stylistically to our wines that are transparent, are, are of, a, of a place, of a time, and that they're really, uh, you know, telling a story of, of the farm here. Yeah, I mean, I was drawn to the winery, particularly for the skin for men. Uh, the rosé, which we're about to taste, but the pet nat. Uh, we just did a tasting in New York, and uh, 50 people showed up, mm -hmm. and the pet nat just blew everybody away. And it was just 
incredibly delicious. And Pet Nat is certainly in vogue, but you would, you started it before it was really in vogue. I mean, all yeah. the Loire Valley Pet Nats have been around for a long yeah. time. People love them, but um, you did it like an incredible job of, of making that uh, Pet Nat. And they're I'd fun look, to make. They're yeah. just as fun to make as, as they are to hard drink. to make. They are hard they to are make. Hard That's to make. kind of the yeah. ironic thing, yeah. I remember Donkey and Go, when they first were starting to do uh, theirs, they, uh, I think it was, I visited the winemaker and he said, uh, some of them were being sent back because people would open, they would just, yeah, yeah. super active, explode. Like they were literally like, you know, I, and I said, well, maybe you should just send everybody a shower curtain with every case. <laughs> I mean, it was because I mean, they are difficult yeah. to make, but, um, yeah, but you guys did an amazing job of, uh, just putting it in the bottle and, and, um, so let's, let's tie the first yeah. wine. We're doing the scribe 2020 rosé. Um, mm-hmm. it's all your state Pinot fruit. Um, mm-hmm. it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah, we make all of our, uh, you know, all the wine we make, we grow. We grow the fruit, and um, we kind of, you know, take the approach of of kind of scratching our, our kind of creative and experimental itch by just diving deeper and deeper into the our farm here and the varietals that are grown here. Mm. Um, we see a lot of beautiful vineyards all around California that look like they'd be a lot of fun to make wine from and make... And do make delicious wines, but we we stick to to making wine from fruit that we grow, and so we end up kind of exploring every every different aspect that you you can in a varietal. And so with Pinot Noir, obviously we make this rosé. You know we make our our you know classic Pinots. We make a nouveau of Pinot Noir. Right. We make a we make a white pressed Pinot, which is like a kind oh, of I a, a Von Clair yeah. style. I mean, I'm going to try the nouveau Pinot while I'm here. It's the, yeah. <laughs> you well, you have to wait till uh, oh really? Okay. Wait, wait, wait till November when we we'll bottle it. Usually yeah. we bottle it in October. Okay. Um, That's perfect timing for Thanksgiving. We'll make a little Blanc de Noir this year and for the first time and uh, make a Rosé Pet Nat. Yeah. What else? Do we, what else do we make from Pinot? Uh, and we make it. So we so we, we uh, and we you know do the same thing for with our you know Chardonnays. We probably make it four or five different bottlings of, of Chardonnay. Yeah. So. It's uh and you inevitably you end up with with you know experiments that that don't make it to bottle sure. some that make it to yeah. bottle for a few years as we're kind of figuring things out and then and then disappear and and others like the skin fermented chardonnay that that end up becoming a staple and kind of a backbone right. of our of our I, portfolio. I think I think that's part of the whole innovation is uh, there's a guy uh, he's a North African gentleman who makes these he has a company called Sons of Wine and he just mm. micro batches yeah um, and the wines are incredibly cool and from varietals nobody would drink I joke yeah. like. He does a Gewurztraminer Pinot Gris. I'm like nobody drinks Gewurz anymore. Yeah. But but when he skin contacts it, um, and it's from Alsace, and it it you can't keep it in stock. It's it's Delicious. crazy how great Delicious, it is. Yeah. yeah. But that's what you guys are doing. That's what I'm kind of keying in on the innovation. I love what yeah. you guys are still trying to progress because Napa is in a, in a tough position. But I think if this kind of I talked to Steve Mathiason a while ago about you know global warming and mm-hmm. what that's causing and uh, you know what he's trying to do to combat it and and go with it and not fight it uh, it'll be interesting right to see what varietals start getting planted in places like napa valley yeah outside of you know cabernet because of the kind of global warming pressures yeah. and i bet steve will be kind of one of the pioneers yeah. behind that too he's a he's a uh, he's great crazy he's wonderful i mean he traveled the world talking about or you know yeah. farming and, and dealing with this uh so he's uh, uh he's trying to be ahead of it and he was considered the madman crazy dude in the valley you know a decade ago yeah i thought he was you know bad shit but he no. was also a walnut farmer before he started growing grapes oh really how do you know that maybe there's something to it ah, yeah that's that's very cool um 
It's crazy. This year they started talking about the fires three months earlier. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a concern as always, yeah. right? Um, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's it's starting starting to become a norm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean that that's I guess the nature of of California and it's kind of wild side. But yeah. you uh, just forces everyone to get a little smarter about how they manage their manage their land and and be careful with their. Uh, their their dinner parties late at night. <laughs> yeah. So I got to tell you, this building is a, a, a crazy. It feels like an old hacienda. Yeah. And thank you for not turning into some like you know behemoth bullshit over manicured yeah. gardened uh, fake domain. Yeah. This feels like you're an old you know eighteen fifties hacienda. And, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's actually it's actually yeah, caught exactly. fire. It's yeah, actually yeah. caught fire before too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible home, and and everything that we've we do on the farm here is we we take direction from the farm whether it's it's you know what we grow and and what we how we make our wines uh but also just how we kind of live here and 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 we spend a lot of time here we we live here literally live here and and spend every every day here and we we eat and drink a lot here and we party a lot here and and this house has always kind of been the heartbeat of that. And you can, you it was, can feel it when you're it, in it. It has a soul. <laughs> it, it's been, there's been a lot of multifarious yeah. kind of people that have passed through this and, yeah, we, and, sure. uh, and yeah. it's got the character to show it. And I love all the hillsides behind. So you get the flatlands in front and yeah. the hillside. Um, and Matt was saying that's where you guys are planting your Riesling, which totally makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and Silvanus, so would you do a separate, uh, single Riesling or, or is, would that be a, uh, skin contact, a co-fermented kind of, uh, uh, yeah. Thing. Um, yeah. We're so the these hillside vines that we see out the back of the hacienda, we planted in 2016. So mm-hmm. they're kind of just getting out of their their first couple years of infancy. Um, and yeah, so we'll see. I mean, frankly, we'll just we'll make that decision based on how the what how it tastes the fruit, like, what it, how the fruit shows itself. And um, I mean, it, we're just knowing the how the soil variation on the hillside compares to the lower slopes and the sun exposure, it'll, they will cool. show differently. And we have it on planted on some different trellising. Also, we have some, some tight four by four spacing on a, with vertical cordons on mm-hmm. the Riesling and then some head trained Riesling also and, and tighter Sylvaner spacing and Pinot spacing. So we'll, uh, once we start to get a few vintages and we'll see what the, yeah. the makeup of that fruit's like, we'll, I'm, we'll, Without a doubt, start I'll to get I'll see into if I can some find crazy, some some crazy of, experiences. Uh, wine. It's a uh, Alsatian project. Yeah, it's, I would love to try it's that. It's really, really delicious. I would love to try that. Um, and he doesn't mess around with oak. It's all steel tank, which is kind of cool because mm-hmm. I think one of the problems sometimes when you're making somewhat natural wines is sometimes the oak is where you run into problems. But steel yeah. tank, it's still bright and fresh. Yeah. But still, you know, zero sulfur and like mm-hmm. yeah, just beautifully balanced. Uh, yeah. Like this we, rosé. This rosé is all like just really elegant. It reminds me of Sancerre rosé. It's got a lot of yeah. high acidity. Minerality, um, clean but really beautiful red fruits. The color is gorgeous. It's, yeah. We take a, uh, we kind of call it a preservationist approach in our winemaking, uh, and we use a lot of concrete in our winemaking too. Right. It's we think concrete's a great vessel for, for providing that you know the porosity of of similar to barrels and provide sure. that oxygen for the wines to open up and evolve, but but preserve those those pure you know, yeah. fruit and, and aromatic flavors. I see it around the world. People more expanding. Winemaker is more experimenting with, I mean, the concrete egg thing is old. I mean, people have been doing that for a while now. Yeah. Uh, but like Matthew Brain and Kornos is using tons of different mm. kind of uh, vessels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he uses a lot of concrete. And there's a guy in Mallorca, 
uh, four kilos, and he actually made clay amphora from the soils that the wine is grown on. Very cool. Um, it's a really cool uh, grape called uh, Cayette. But like mm -hmm. that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to what happens uh, happens there. Um, well, it, I think it's a great, it's a really wonderful time to be making wine, mm -hmm. um, and just the the, and I think it's well for several reasons. One, the the appetite for for new experimental wines is probably greater than ever, and um, obviously, I mean, we're coming off the a COVID year, so. So it's kind of a different world at this point, but totally is, I think yeah. I think one thing that'll that'll carry through from pre-COVID to post-COVID are uh, in the kind of restaurant and retail world the appetite for exploring and trying different things, and you can you know take a, a leap of faith and try a wild wild experiment that's only yeah. you know thirty, sixty, a hundred cases, and and it could be something like a you know a, a skin fermented you know, whatever. And, and you, and there will be enough people out there that will be curious enough to try it right. and take it. And so you can, you, it's kind of bred this starting to breed this, uh, kind of wave of, of mm -hmm. experimentation across all the, across a lot of wineries. And yeah. I think once those wineries or those wines have started to show up on wine lists and on retail shelves and, mm -hmm. and taking the place of some of those bigger classic traditional producers, yep. Um, it's, it's those people happen. start to pay attention and yeah. and and that that kind of innovation experimentation starts to leak into their wines too and totally. also i think when you have like brands like uh the skin ferment or the pet nat what happens it becomes like people just start to trust the brand right right i mean we all know producers whether they're classic or even old school you know yeah you know they just make good wine yeah period right so yeah. like in beaujolais it's a, it's Dutrev or it's you know, mm. Lapierre. Every vintage you'll buy, or if they made something different, you would just go, well, it's got to be good because they make it. They, yeah, their um, name's on it. And yeah. I think that's what's happening with your uh, pet nat. Mm -hmm. And then you, if you're, and you're, oh, well, it must make great regular rosé too. And mm -hmm. you do. Then mm -hmm. they tried skin front and it's great. Yeah. Um, and it creates this kind of chain reaction. That's mm -hmm. really fantastic branding and the labels and the bottles and the black wax capsules for the other stuff. It's just, it just uh, stands Appreciate out. Appreciate that. Um, also, the, the farming is mm -hmm. uh, is key um if there's one thing that's missing i think in our uh the, the napa sonoma there's the old guard mm -hmm. and, and what is the young guard it's a very small crop of uh of winemakers that yeah. you go like matthew Rohr from the sierra foothills and yeah. his forlorn he's great i'll drink everything that he does you yeah know? those kind of producers um and i think you guys are there but mm -hmm. again he's in the sierra foothills and right. napa he's got, hard. A, he's got a big project out there he's got a big yeah. very very it's really exciting yeah, it is cool yeah um but you know there's uh in napa there's people just still holding on for dear life in, mm -hmm. in the old no it's going to come back people going to pay 150 dollars for a bottle of cab and i'll say no they're not they won't mm -hmm. and but you know you can still sell the wine to your friends i guess and that's make you all happy because it's working you know, it's still working yeah. for it's, them so yeah, yeah I, don't, I, I don't i don't know, know how well it's yeah. working for them right now but uh Yeah. 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 Or DTC and and um, um, and uh, you guys have an international presence too. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, wow. we're um, we're primarily you know direct consumer and right. and that's almost exclusively to the uh, Scribe Viticultural Society, nice. uh, which is a is our our wine club, a fancy name for our wine club. Right. Um, but we. Well, one, we called it that because it, the original pioneers of the farm, the Drazels, right. had the, uh, they were the superintendents to the Buena Vista Viticultural Society, which was the 
the yeah. inaugural wine club in California, and wow. and it was their aim was to to uh, kind of educate and cultivate you know California wine drinkers. Right. Again, this is back in right. the eighteen sixties and seventies, so yeah. there was a lot of probably a lot of weak beer and brown liquor being drunk so at that point. Who, who do your eyes turn to for inspiration? Uh, not, maybe not just California, but if there's somebody in California you totally dig, I think I think Massacan does a good job. There's some other producers who are doing some cool yeah, stuff out here. Trotsky's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we 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 look at a lot of people and and we like a lot of wines and from you know all over California and all of, and all around the globe. And um, like I said, we came in without having a wine industry back industry mm-hmm. background or wine making right. background, so it was a, we enjoyed the kind of figuring out. The process for ourselves and and developing our own style that worked works best for for our terroir here, mm-hmm. um, and we'll and we'll we'll take little bits of information and 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 insights from from anywhere. Like I said, the the skin ferment process from the northern Italians or the mm-hmm. the volcanic soils from from you know southern Italy from Sicily and yeah, and yeah Etna has all volcanic soils. Yeah. Right? Um, those are great wines. Those I love I love yeah. those wines, particularly the whites, this Cotarato and things like mm-hmm. that. Are like cool, yeah, very cool. Um, there we uh, our kind of current uh, current path of discoveries on the Mission Mission wines, right. Mission grape, which, which we actually we planted a couple acres here on the farm. Um, that's that's a, totally cool. I didn't know it was Pais. Uh, Matt told me it's Pais. Yeah. I, I, there's a great producer you guys got to check out because yeah. this is what we all do. We feed each other's knowledge, right? right. right? There's a great producer called Roberto Enriquez, and he's an Intata and BOBO in Chile. Okay. And he he has 100 to 150 year old Pays finds. Those are some did, incredible vineyards down there. And I actually tasted it with Ray Isle uh, from Food and Wine, and um, it was crazy. He just joked right away. He goes, "What are these 100 year old vines?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but it's like, it's like it's clear yeah. like Pinot Noir. And then he does it in Rowley barrels, which are these old like the original vessels they mm-hmm. put the wine in back in mm-hmm. the day, like a kind of a redwood. Yeah, the wines are incredible. They're like spicy, like Beaujolais and like Mencia from Spain. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a, that's what I mean about you guys. The micro batching yeah. idea uh, is or experimenting is it yeah. what it's what going to keep you growing and, and yeah. your viticultural society uh, yeah. um, blooming yeah. uh, for sure. Um, It'll be fun. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a few people making making California Mission and from old you know old yeah. vines that are still kicking, kicking around. Um, you know, we're, we have, a you know, some of the only new vine mission, right? Kind of a, and we thought we were crazy for planting Sylvaner back in the day. We planted one acre and we couldn't believe we're like, we're, what are we doing? Planting an acre of Sylvaner. Nobody even knows what that, yeah. that rattle is. And then, you know, a few years later you're making wine from it and you're like, ah, kicking ourselves. I can't believe we only planted one acre <laughs> of Sylvaner. So we're kind of going through the same process with mission right now. We're like, yeah. what are we doing planting mission? But it's, uh. It's, you know, being on these volcanic soils and it'll be, uh, I mean, the wines will definitely be expressive. Oh, How yeah. exactly, yeah. you know, what it'll be, it's, you know, it's kind of still a mystery to, to be seen, yeah. right? I got to give a shout out to Sandlands too. That guy does yeah. a fantastic job with the Trousseau and those yeah. reds. Yeah. Like, and they're lithe and they're beautiful mm-hmm. and they're aromatic and, you know, again, come from the heat. I think they're mountaintop fruit, I believe. Uh, but those wines are pretty spectacular yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Oh, does it? Yeah. yeah. I see. Now I got to go find it. Yeah. Uh, so (laughs) we're coming to the close. Now we're at the part of the show where I ask you, so God just, uh, texted the both of you because, you know, God texts, believe it or not. And he said, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, lots of people are passing and we need to give them a cool, like domestic pet. Yeah. 
uh, yeah. at the gate, at the pearly gates. Uh, but we're going to give you one last meal before we bring you up here. Mm-hmm. And uh, one last song, one last drink. Yeah. So let's start with you, sir. What are you eating, drinking, and listening to? Do you want to go for it first, Matt? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, last meal, get, heading, heading up into the clouds. Um, I mean, this is a little bit of a little bit of a Homer answer, but um, I mean, growing up on on you know farms in Northern California and being in you know family family farming businesses, our you know our our love for for you know the the art of making wine and mm-hmm. and you know food and wine started started there, and mm-hmm. and I can remember grilling lamb in the middle of our our uncle's walnut orchard back in our hometown of winters oh hell yeah in the middle of summer and realizing that there's a uh i mean we talk about you know seasonality in food but they're realizing i remember learning the seasonality in lamb sure. yeah and the 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 difference in a spring lamb versus, versus sure. eating a lamb later in the season um but but grilling roasting a leg a spring lamb uh back in a in our walnut orchard back in back at home right um with the with produce from our that we grew in the garden we have to be the meal okay um i mean I, which of our wines would i be would i drink doesn't have to be your wine i don't know well i mean i bet they, I, it, I think it would okay, it okay. would right, right. It could be, the, yeah. to be anything true that's true um i mean i'd i'd drink our uh since it would be the last the last bottle i'd drink our uh our traditional method sparkling chardonnay um just to toast toast myself with it and uh as as far as the uh the tunes i would would have my my brother's wife my sister-in-law leah be playing giving giving us a live show giving me a live piano performance send-off what song what song yeah Ooh. well her latest album is called family album so it, it uh i'll just have her play the family album okay that's cool yeah all right, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna, there. You go. Let's see. I gotta show you a video that was filmed here. Also, okay. Leah did a really okay. beautiful video. It's a good way to see the property in the hacienda. Cool, cool. Um, what am I eating, drinking, listening to? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go backwards. Listening, Dorothy Moore, Misty Blue. Oof, that'd be my last song. Okay. Last sound on my ears. Um, eating barbecue. I, I'd probably like. I think barbecue ribs. It's like my favorite food. There you go. And uh, doesn't pair. I mean, I'd be drinking champagne, right? Okay. That's yeah. champagne and barbecues. That's not a bad way to. Yeah. Oh, no, might yeah, might that's be. Like a great, that's a great yeah. That's I want to do it. Good way to end. I might do it tonight. All right. <laughs> Try not to die, but hopefully the second part yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, where do we find you? Website? Mm-hmm. How do they sign up for your uh, your DTC stuff? Um, yeah, the uh, scrabwinery.com. Um, it's our Instagram handle at scrabwinery. Mm-hmm. Find it. You can find us here. You can always find us here on the farm. Okay. Just look for the uh, the long palm line driveway with the the yeah, big white hacienda sitting at the end of it, and yep. chances are we'll be we'll be sitting there. Cool. With a bottle of uh, yeah, something something cold and lively. Cool. Yeah. You have a great website too. Thank you. So appreciate that. Uh, well, thanks. I know T. Edward wine just having a fantastic fun time just selling those wines in New York uh, and I see them out here in California and uh, I just want to say thanks for being on DOTJ Podcast I appreciate, I appreciate it. it thanks John thanks All for right. coming alright thanks
Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check us out at dotjpodcast.com. Until then, I'll see you at the bar. Away.